0: Thank you for every single nation that is represented in this room right now, Lord. I thank you for every nation, every person, Lord, that has chosen to live in this country at this time. Oh, God, I thank you. It's not by accident. (laughs) Lord, I thank you that you've drawn people together from across the world to be even in this room today, part of this family today. But Lord, I pray for the nations. Oh God, every prayer that's been posted at the back so far, we pray, Lord God, for a move of your Holy Spirit across this world. Will you shine brighter? I thank you that you do shine brighter. The darker it gets, the brighter you shine. And Holy Spirit, will you break out across this world? in wonderful ways. I thank you that you are already doing that right now. I thank you the shaking going on, the the foundations are are rattling a bit. Well, God, you're doing that to cause people to turn to you because you wanna save people, Lord. I think this is the day of salvation, Lord. This is a day of salvation. So Lord God, I pray, shake. Shake where you need to shake, Lord. You know that you're doing that with this country of the United Kingdom. You're shaking other nations of the world, Lord. It's not outside of your control. In fact, you are allowing this to happen so that people will turn to you and be saved. Oh, I thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Just as Ollie was Um, just sharing briefly just about you know um, probably there's more Christians in South America than there is in Europe. It just made me want to turn to something that I read from Tim Keller a little while back and this just blew my mind a bit. I don't know whether you know this but probably in the world there are over two billion Christians across this planet. Uh, There's a population of of close to, you know, between seven and eight billion and two billion of those people would profess to faith in Jesus Christ. And what I found was interesting that 25% of those people that profess to faith in Jesus Christ live in Central and South America. Isn't that amazing? 25% of those two billion people are living in Central and South America 22% 22% of those two billion people are living in Africa. These are population centers that are miles away from where the gospel started. In Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. There's something so incredible about Christianity that it's spread globally across the world like no other religion. of Christians, and this number is growing incredibly fast at the moment, are in China and India and that whole sort of Asian area over there. Isn't that amazing? That in nations that were closed to the gospel, you would think they were completely closed through communism or whatever, whatever else. There's incredible growth of Christianity in those nations right now. And that's happening even as we meet now. There are churches right across China that are meeting in secret, in communities, declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ to their neighbors and to their friends. And that's happening in Asia, in Africa, in South America, in China and India. 15% of Christians are in China and in India. 12% of Christians, and this, you know, only 12% of Christians are in North America. And 20% of Christians are in Europe and one to 2% of Christians are in the Middle East. I, I think it's amazing because when we talk about the Muslim faith, and I, and I say this with you know, great respect for Muslims that might be here in this room, but 96% of Muslims live in the Middle East, Africa or South Asia, so it's within that area. Christianity has spread incredibly across the world. Do you know why that is? Because God, by his spirit, is moving in the cultures of the lands of this world. He's already at work in the cultures of the lands of this earth. And as we move into those places, as Christians we move into those places, we bring in the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. And something about Christianity that echoes with the cultures of the world. It doesn't squash culture, it enhances culture and brings purpose to it. So I just just thought that was really interesting just at the start there to acknowledge that the gospel is spreading wonderfully across the face of the earth. You know, over the last um, few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Acts and today we're landing in Acts 17 and we're seeing Paul as he spends his time in Athens in Greece. And so I'm gonna invite some of our international community to come up and just read this scripture to us from Acts 17, 16 to 34. So why don't you guys come up and, and join me. I'm gonna pass this microphone around. And they're gonna read in their native language and the English words are gonna come up on the screen and so that we, you know, we'll be able to follow through. But it's so good to have these guys come and, and just share this scripture with us. So yeah, give him a big round of applause. From there, Psalm 16.
1: Чикайши на випадіна, повози з мотився у своєму дусі, побачивши, що місто наповнене ідолами. Він розмовляв із Ідемом такого пояснення це на озі, що те настимають, хто був на ринку. Деякі філософи, запікурійців та стоїків, почали сперечатися з ним. Одні з них говорили, що хоче сказати цей базіка. Інші казали, здається, він звищаючи чужих Богів. Це тому, що він проповідував добру звістку про Воскресіння Ісуса. Вони взяли Його та повели до Ареопагу, кажучи, чи зможемо ми знати, що це за нове навчання, про яке ти говориш? But she's dead native Nadiah Nam Uvuha. If se At 17, 21 to 25. a may me yani meta ma wa ene ni ba ga eni ba le pye ni ba ba le oba fusa no no moto na mohu o e moto o e mohu bi e ni ri bo re bi o iri wu gwa ne bo yi o sene oba no moto na mohu o e me mi ri bi elena inode bi e tetemete i
0: yes
1: De um só Ele fez todos os povos, para que povoasse toda a terra Tendo determinados tempos anteriormente estabelecidos e os lugares exatos em que deveriam habitar Deus fez isso para que os homens o buscassem e talvez, tateando pudessem pudesse encontrá-lo Embora esteja, não esteja longe de cada um de nós, pois nele vivemos, nos movemos e existimos Como disseram alguns dos poetas de vocês, também somos descendência dele. Assim, visto que somos descendência de Deus, não devemos pensar que a divindade é semelhante a uma escultura de ouro, prata ou pedra, feita pela arte e imaginação do homem. 如今却吩咐各处的人都要悔改 you see, Thank you, guys.
0: Yeah, thank you to Tatiana and Essie and Neuza and Mary. So good, isn't it, to hear those different languages together. We're in Acts 17. Uh, Ollie just preached wonderfully last week, just as we looked in, at Philippi in Acts 16. We saw the gospel being preached. We saw um, Lydia coming to Christ. We saw just a wonderful turn of her family. To God, and then the slave girl who was the fortune teller. She came to faith in Christ, and then the jailer, the Philippian jailer, and his family. They came to faith in Christ. There's an incredible momentum going on in Acts as people are turning to Christ. There's many people that are rejecting the gospel, but many are turning. And you know, as a church, we are in a season, I really believe that God has gathered us back together again, post COVID lockdowns. He's got us to worship together again, to break bread together again, to gather around his word again. And it's not a coincidence that we're in the book of Acts. The reason we are preaching from the book of Acts over these weeks is because we believe that God, yes, rejoices in our gathering, but he's gathering us so that he can send us into all that he's got for us. That is the word of God for us as a church. You know, we know, as, as Ollie has said a couple of times this morning, we're gathering to friendship and family. That's what we're gonna have uh, you know, food together for today because there's strength in community, but it's not just gonna stop there. God has called us to go in mission and service. And so we see the gospel just wonderfully spreading You know, across the north of Jerusalem, up into the sort of Macedonian uh, area and northern Greece. And Paul preaches in Thessalonica after Philippi. And there's a turning to Christ there in Thessalonica. And then, you know, we see that the Jews cause a bit of a ruckus, they stir up, they cause a riot. So Paul leaves Thessalonica and he goes to Berea. We've got the map there of the second missionary journey that we're on. So Paul moves from Thessalonica to Berea and Acts 17 says at the beginning of the verses we didn't read, it just says that the people in Berea, they were open to the gospel. So Paul preached in the synagogues, uh, as was his tradition. He would preach in the synagogues uh, on the Sabbath days, we unpack. the the law of Moses and the prophets, and he would point those incredible teachings to Jesus all along, all all through the Old Testament, we're seeing those documents pointing to Jesus Christ. And Paul is doing that, preaching Thessalonica, preaching in Berea, preaching in the synagogues. And in Berea, the same sort of thing happens. The Jews that were in Thessalonica come down to Berea, they cause a ruckus, there's a riot, and Paul gets taken to the coast and he gets put on a ship and taken to Athens, and that's where we are right now. We've seen Christians come to faith in, in Thessalonica, those come to faith in Berea, and now Paul is in, in Athens. There's an incredible momentum. And I think something that struck me from what Ollie shared last week, I just want to highlight just real quickly, is that when we are willing to say yes to the Holy Spirit, It's amazing what God can do through us to those around us. And so Paul and his colleagues, Silas and Timothy, their heart was to to preach, you know, to all these different towns uh, in in sort of the area uh, that they were in. And then the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to them. Remember, they saw a vision, Paul saw a vision and said, come over here to Macedonia. You know, sometimes in our mission, in our service of God, there's got to be a sense of ready, fire, aim. We're so wanting to be ready, aim, fire that we don't move. And I think God is wanting to stir us and say, I want you to be ready. And when you're fired and when you're going, I will direct you where you need to go. It's so much easier to drive a car that's already moving. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to turn the steering wheel of your car when it's parked outside your house. It's really difficult. But when the car is moving, it's easier to drive. So God is calling us to move. And as we move, he's going to lead us and direct us where we need to go. I just just want to share that over us as a church. Let's not be so obsessed with making sure that we do exactly what God wants us to do and I don't mean that in the wrong sense but I think we can be so spiritually minded with no earthly good I think we can be so waiting to hear what God is saying he's actually saying preach the gospel share the good news declare Jesus and him crucified and risen from the dead and that's what Paul does he's landed in Athens um, it's an incredibly spiritual place as we've read this morning, the, the 12 Olympian gods, uh, these incredible idols that you know history has been filled with for years and years and years. And he's there going into the synagogue on the Sabbath, but also he feels that he's called to the marketplace as well. And so he spends time in the Agora, which is the area which is just really just slightly below the, the Acropolis, the Acropolis Hill with the, uh, the Parthenon there, the famous temple to Athena. And you've got the Agora, which is really the marketplace, which is just below that on another outcrop of rocks. And Paul has been preaching, yes, in the synagogue, but he's also been preaching in the marketplace. You know, and know, the marketplace was a place of politics. And it was a place of commerce. It was a place of education and the arts, uh, performing arts, and all kinds of different areas of society were there. You, You know that we, our faith in Jesus Christ is as relevant when we gather together like this, it's just as relevant in the marketplace that God's called us to work in. You know, whether we're called to work in the NHS or in schools, or in um, other areas of society, commerce, the arts, our faith, our prayers, our testimony, our praise is just as relevant in our marketplace as it is among the church. And And I just been feeling just the prodding of the Holy Spirit personally to say, Andy, I want you to get your mouth looser when you're in the marketplace. I want you to be more, you know, like you're willing to share of my goodness in amongst the people of God. I want you to learn to be willing to share of my goodness in amongst those that don't know me. And so, Paul, yes, spending time in the synagogue, but, you know, as we shared a few weeks ago, it's too small a thing that the gospel stays here. It's too small a thing that there's a restoration of people. Who, you know, once you had a relationship with God and being restored to Him. It's too small a thing because the gospel is wanting to break out into society. And, and I want us to just, a, really, a couple of things that I just want to draw out of this scripture today before we're going to have food together. And we're going to enjoy community together. And it's this. And I love it when it, you know, in verse 17 it says, Paul spoke with those, this is in the marketplace, Paul spoke with those who happened to be there. You know, and that word happened, there's a kind of a tongue in cheek emphasis on that word, who happened to be there. God had placed them there. And Paul spoke to the people that God had placed in the marketplace. I think, we can get so caught up that this is just what we do. We go to work, we come home, we go to bed, we go to work, we come home, we go to bed. But God has placed us in the marketplace that he wants us to be because there just happens to be people there that he wants to speak to. There just happens to be people there that God has placed there by his spirit. So as the... um, Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers are talking to Paul. Paul bursts, you know, goes into his uh, explanation of Jesus Christ and he says that you know, Jesus is someone, you know, remember this is only literally 50 years, this is about 50 AD, so this is only about 20 odd years since Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven. So this is recent history to, you know, to Jesus and Paul it declares to uh, the, the philosophers that Jesus has is God. He's risen from the dead, and so the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers take him to the Areopagus, which is again in that whole area around the Agora. It's it's the area called Mars Hill. It's uh, Mars. Mars was the Greek god. Uh, sorry, the Roman god of war, and um, Ares was the, the Greek god of war. And that whole area was like a political center, a debating center. And so Paul is invited to go into that area to share, you know, this news about Jesus Christ. And I would have given Paul the perfect opportunity to, I guess, just burst out, hey, you guys, you're wrong. You've got it wrong. But I love that Paul just has a humble, Christ-centered, culture-respecting, a purpose in his communication. I just wanna bring just some of that out for us this morning. Paul treated Greek culture with remarkable respect and we're gonna see why. In verse 16, it says this, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. And then verse 22, he says this, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. See how he's, he's honouring what he sees around him. He's not disparaging of their culture. He's honouring what's going on around him. And we, we can learn from this. In verse 23, for as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which it was inscribed to an unknown god." And then in verse 28, Paul could have quoted from the scriptures, he could have chose to quote a line from Moses, the prophets, but he actually quoted a Cretan poet, Epimenides, and says, in him we live and move and have our being. Paul is bringing out from the culture something that God is already doing within that culture. Verse 28, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Again, Paul could have quoted the Jewish law, but he chose a quote from the Aratus poem talking about Greek, the Greek god Zeus and he applied it to Yahweh. We are his offspring. I see that there is an altar that you have to an unknown god. In him... Again, a Greek, a Greek poem. In him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. Now I think that Luke wants to teach us something in what's going on with Paul as he's in the center there of the Agora and, and speaking to the Areopagus. And it's this. And I think there's a few things I just want to bring out here that we pray and allow ourselves to be distressed by sin. It says in verse 16 that Paul was distressed when he saw the idols around him and just, it literally means he was exasperated but he was stirred to action. Are we? Should we be praying, Lord, will you exasperate us to action? Will our hearts be moved by the the need and the dilemma of those around us by sin and then I love this about Paul that he's not he doesn't come in with some dogmatic judgmental attitude towards those who are listening you know dogmatic judges make awful missionaries and I don't know what it is we can so often as Christians we can so often fall into that trap of judging those around us, of taking the higher ground. And I know that for me, I remember talking to my dad a few years ago and he said this to me. He said, Andy, we make awful judges. Let's not do it. God is such a gracious judge. He's so merciful and he's so kind and we're so willing to quickly judge the situation around us. So we're learning. We need to learn to become those who are filled with grace and kindness towards those around us. Acknowledge what's going on, yes, see it in the culture, but build bridges, don't burn them. Build bridges, because if we burn bridges, that leads to arrogance. And then we need to see this, and I think this is such an important lesson that we can learn from these verses. God is already at work around us. He is already working around us. You know, Paul looked and he saw, hey, this, this is the altar to the unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. Let me tell you about Jesus who died on a cross, who, ro- who rose again from the dead. Let me tell you about the one whom, in whom we live and move and have our being. I read this quote the other day, it Just says this, have you ever heard missionaries say that they were gonna take Jesus to a certain place? If you see yourself carrying God to places, it can be exhausting because God is really heavy. The issue isn't so much about taking Jesus to people who don't have him, but going to a place and pointing out to people there, the creative life-giving God who's already present in their midst. God is already at work in our community. I'm gonna say something that may be hard to swallow. It's been hard to swallow for me at times, but God is already at work in your street and in your neighbor. Last, last time I was preaching, I just fell into the trap of sharing how the, it was a difficult, a difficult thing for me to, to imagine that my neighbor could get saved. And yes, you laughed. And, um, and then I found myself, Linda and I found ourselves just a couple of nights ago at our neighbor's engagement party. And then our neighbor said, asked me the other day, would you marry us? And, and everything within me, because, because you know, I've said to you before and I, I hope they're not listening to this, and, but I, I, you know, everything within me just like, they're so noisy. <laughs> and, um, and there's been times where I just thought, I'm not sure whether I don't want to live here anymore. But the Lord had just been really poking me and saying, Andy, that's just the wrong attitude. And, and he's been saying, hey, I'm already at work in your neighbours. I'm already at work in them. And then when they said, will you, will you marry us? Or, you know, we know that you, you're a pastor in the church. Will you marry us? In, inside, I was like, I'm not gonna marry you, no. But you know, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, this is your opportunity to share the love of Jesus with these people. I want to just come back to this God is already at work in the people around you and when we think that we come in and we carry Jesus into our workplace or we carry Jesus into our street there is truth in that of course but we need to absolutely know that he's already at work by the power of his Holy Spirit in those around us and we need to stop burning bridges and building bridges with those around us Paul did not come with a dismissive attitude to their gods, their beliefs, their intellect, or their culture. But by the Holy Spirit, he explained the living God already at work in their culture. We limit God when we believe that he is not already at work, he is already working in the marketplace, in the schools in our workplaces, in the environments outside the school gate when we pick our children up from school, when we go grocery shopping, he's already at work. If we are his offspring, that's what Paul quoted from the Greek uh, poem, you are his offspring then how can God just be a statue or an idol that's made by his offspring? That's the point that Paul is making. If we are his offspring, then how can he who created his offspring be just a statue or an idol? The God you don't know has himself come among you as flesh and blood and died in your place. His name is Jesus, and he is risen from the dead. He doesn't need to be immortalized in gold or silver or stone. He lives forever, having conquered death once and for all. And in him, we live and we move and we have our being. You know, the world's religion can struggle. Sorry, the, yeah, the world's religion struggle to give meaningful truth Filled, real life, emotive narrative to any culture, but Christianity has a wonderful way of doing that. Now, I was reading in John eleven just a few days ago, and Jesus comes to Bethany, and he's at the house of Mary and Martha. Lazarus has just died, their brother, and um, and Martha comes up to Jesus as, as he arrives and says to Jesus, you know, if you'd only been here a few days ago, my brother would still be alive. And I love Jesus' response. It's exactly what Mary needed to hear. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what Jesus said to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. You know, Jesus speaks truth where truth needs to be declared. But he says to Mary, just a few minutes later, and Mary comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you had only been here a few moments earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. And there's the shortest verse in the Bible, just simply says, Jesus wept. And the wonderful thing about Christianity is that it speaks truth where truth is needed and it relates to the culture where it needs to. Emotively, yes, at times. Jesus wept. And we have been placed by the Holy Spirit where we are for a purpose, to speak truth, to build bridges, to love, to weep, to live out our lives within the culture and within the society that God has placed us. Why? Because God in Jesus came and dwelt right here amongst us. He understands us. He loves us. He's for us. And then I just want to just bring out one other thing. So the first thing is that God is already at work around about us. And so our role is to be a tour guide, to point out where Jesus is already working, to give opportunity, declare, hey, Jesus is already working here. And secondly, from verses 26 and 27, I'm just gonna read these verses, and maybe the band can come up, just as I read these verses. Verses 26 and 27 says this from one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live he did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him though he is not far from each one of us it's not an accident that we live where we live. And I just felt I wanted to share that just to, um, with, with people who are living in this country, maybe not by choice. It's not an accident that we live where we live. God has placed us for this appointed time, for this season in the area that we are It's not an accident that you live next to the people that you live next to. It's not an accident that you work with the people that you work with. It's not an accident that you meet, the parents that you meet at the school gate. And you know the reason why it's not an accident? It's verse 27. He placed us where he wants us to be so that people might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each of us. Church, we are placed in this town for a purpose, to declare the goodness of God, to build bridges, to share the love of Jesus, God has by his sovereign hand put you and me right where we are now in the nation that we are living in in this time of history why? He did this so that those around us might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him and I love this though he is not far from each one of us God is at work in your neighbourhood in my neighbourhood the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't leave Jesus on a tree he is resurrected from the dead and in him we live and move and have our being and the wonderful joy is that we reflect this Saviour, Jesus Christ, through our lives, through our actions, through, through the normality of everything that we go through, through the struggles, through the trials. And we're in, we're in a season now where this world so desperately needs an answer. But we have this wonderful opportunity to say, hey, God is already at work in you. I really believe that God is already at work in my neighbours. He's already working now in that parent that you meet regularly at the school gate. He's already working now by his spirit amongst those that are around us. You know, what? it's time to blow our cover. And this doesn't mean we have to be brilliant preachers, but it does mean we need to be good tour guides where we can point out Jesus and what he's doing and what he's already doing. You worship this unknown God, let me tell you who he is. He's Jesus, he was crucified. He took on all our guilt and all our shame and all our pain, all of the judgment that we should have taken because he's a just God. Justice had to be fulfilled, he took it all and he died with all of our punishment, with all of our guilt on the cross but he didn't just stay there, he rose again from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God. Let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me point him out to you. Because he's not far from each of us. Amen. I just wonder whether we could just pray. I wonder whether we could stand to our feet just real quickly. And we could just pray together and we're going to sing. Oh Lord. Oh Lord Oh Lord, I thank you that you are at work in our society. You're at work in Eastbourne. You're already here. You're already doing wonderful things. You're already softening hearts. You're already causing people to respond to you. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray for for every one of us as a church, Lord God, that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, Lord, to, to see what you are already doing around about us, to see that you have placed us exactly where you want us to be right now, right here and right now, Lord God, so that some might be saved, some might call out to you, find you though you are not far from any of us so lord god i pray that we would as a church go into more and more so a season of declaring the goodness of god what you are already doing amongst people's lives may we stick our heads above the parapet may we be willing to share the love of jesus with those around us
2: Amen, amen, amen. That's great, Andy. Um, I wondered. So, as Andy's, Andy's provocation to us was, I see, it's God that initiates. God's the one that initiates these things. God, the one who begins it. We're called to see it but actually I want us to participate now. So we don't initiate, but we do participate in the things that God is already doing. And I just wondered if we could start to pray because I've, I've written down some of the prayer requests that have already appeared at the back. And I'd love us to take hold of this before we sing something to pray, come before God and say, actually some of your instruction will be go, get out of here and go and do something this afternoon or tomorrow or in your workplace. But actually it all begins in responding and asking God now in prayer that he would do these things. So I'm, the band is just going to play behind but We're not going to sing a song necessarily. I'm going to ask us to turn to each other and pray. And you may already have some prayers. I'm going to read out a few of them for here that have already appeared on the boards at the back. So just as the band just starts to, do you want to just play in behind debs? And we'll just start to be there. But we're going to turn to each other and we're going to pray these things. And some of these are small things. Some of these are huge things. Some of these are deeply personal and some of them are quite general. And these are just a selection I've taken from the back. But someone just wrote up there, can we pray that prodigals will come home to God? Someone just put there, could we pray for my family? They're in, in, in India today. Someone put up there, could we pray for an increased peace and security in the, in the Ukraine? Wow, this is, it, this, is what, this is a deeply personal one. Someone just prayed for a guy my age, Kerry, who took his own life this week and just prayed for his girlfriend, Holly, for prayer and strength for her as she tries to work that out. Someone's put up there, can we pray for the upcoming elections in Nigeria and the flooding that's taking place? Can we pray for the church in Cyprus? Can we pray for unity and leadership here in, in, in the UK? That just, that's just a selection that I've taken, but please let's participate there. You're not initiate, God's already he knows these things. God is already at work in bringing about the good news of the gospel into each of those situations. He is not absent on the throne. He is present, but he calls you to participate join in with what God's doing now and we join in through prayer so let's turn now to each other got five or so minutes and let's just start to pray you might remember some of those that I've shared maybe one stirred your heart maybe something that you know but say hi to each other you already know each other's middle names you don't have to worry about first names just pray come on church let's participate let's join in Start to pray big prayers. Don't just pray nice things. Pray big prayers. God can change circumstances by the power of His Spirit. Just be men and women of faith in this moment. Let's ask.